0: A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest, until her vindication shines out like the dawn, and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall seek your vindication, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be turned forsaken, and your land shall no more be turned desolate. But you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
1: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The steward called the bridegroom and said to him Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord.
0: Praise to
2: you, Lord well, there's always time to learn something new. And my experience of saying, Oh, yes, I'll preach, I have now realized that it's important to read the lessons before I volunteer. The second thing is that in my, quote, zeal to understand the lessons, the more I read, the more I got confused. So I'm hoping that I'm going to have an epiphany here with you on the second Sunday of Epiphany where I can make some sense out of the things that have happened in the experiences of my reading. Also, I was informed by the choir to keep this short there's a very important ritual taking place shortly after this service. So I will try to honor them to the best of my ability. We begin with a prophecy of Isaiah, the 60, 62nd chapter. And it's important to understand that his, it sounds wonderful, but he's speaking out of glowing terms to bring people out of desolation and slavery back to Jerusalem. Zion is to be redeemed, but he's speaking to those that have not yet been redeemed. And the relationship to Zion, or many, many people just refer to it as Jerusalem, the holy city, is to bring them back, to give them a relationship that stands out to them as being confirmed and vindicated. Even the words in the text talk about vindication. And the analogy, or at least the allegory used at this point, is the marriage. That they will, in fact, be married. The passage says, if I can find it here, But you shall be called my delight is in her and your land your land married for the lord delights in you and your land shall be married for as a young man marries a young woman so shall your builder marry you and the bridegroom rejoices over the bride so shall your god rejoice over you from being separated isolated and forgotten, or at least felt forgotten. The prophet is saying that God's calling them back, that they will be, in fact, reunited. The analogy is about the wedding, the marriage. Now we jump into the next gospel lesson. And what do we are? We're right there at a wedding. Makes sense. But when I was reading it, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm not sure about the connection here. How do we talk about coming from desolation to the holy temple, the holy city of Zion, Jerusalem? And here we're at this wedding feast where everything is sort of okay. Jesus' mother was invited, and so was Jesus and his boys. And they're there at the wedding. The interesting thing was, and I actually looked up the word symbolic, because I was wondering about what are the symbols that are poignant in these passages. And one of the sort of minor definitions said something about a symbol is a physical, a physical thing that points or directs one towards the invisible. The symbol that stands out to me at the marriage feast in Cana of Galilee is the jars that they use to make the wine. These were the jars that were used for water for purification to reunite and reconnect people to the Jewish traditions. It was their baptism, their purification rites. And these are the jugs that are used that are converted from water into wine. That in fact, Jesus in a miracle takes the jug jugs that are made from, for purification, and whether we look at the idea or the elements, so to speak, of the science of making wine, wine is produced from the purification rites. Also, the idea that here again we're faced with marriage, the idea of marriage. The two are united in a relationship. And the interesting part to me is that in the Isaiah passage, they refer to <clears throat> the people, actually, the land and the people in the feminine. And the word Zion, there is, in fact, the New Testament tradition called the daughters of Zion, which, believe it or not, are us. We are the daughters of Zion, the followers of Jesus. And the daughters of Zion are seen in the relationship to being called to the marriage with Christ. Just recently, someone mentioned about the nuns and being married for the rest of their lives and the choice maybe not to become a nun because married to Jesus for a long time is a difficult thing. But that's basically what we're talking about here is the symbol that we are, in fact, part of the marriage feast daily, that we are, in fact, called into relationship with Jesus through being his bride, the daughters of Zion, the holy place. Now, I often thought when I was reading, you know, Zion, the idea of Zionism, that, in fact, so many years after the dispersion, the Jews, in fact, focused on re- Zionism to come back to the city of Jerusalem to make that a very important reconstruction and renewal of their faith and understanding. And that symbol for us, the daughters of Zion, is one that, in fact, likewise brings us to a sense of, of being purified in our relationship with God. That as we eat the bread and drink the wine, the new wine, that in fact we become one with the body of Christ in our marriage feast. It was interesting to me that, you know, I've done a lot of weddings and everything else, and the couple themselves are obviously the sacrament. But I've always had to tell them that when, in fact, they get involved with the wedding, that it suddenly becomes like their relationship is insignificant. And that when parents and relatives get involved, all of a sudden, a wedding has its life of its own and goes away from the actual sacrament of the two committing themselves to one another to be mirrors of God in a relationship. And it was so interesting because my son called me after uh, not having me being able to be their, quote, presider. And also me telling the both of them that now things are going to get carried away. He called me and he said, Dad, he said, you know, you said something about wedding takes on a life of its own. He says, Joanne and I suddenly are viewing this from the point of view that this is maybe not for us. We're not even involved. Everyone's making decisions. I can't believe it. And I said, but the core of the whole relationship is you and her. That's the sacrament. Be mindful of that. And all the brick-brack, all the things you go through, it comes back to the fact that you're committing yourself to one another, to be the eyes and window of God to one another, and to be in relationship. So marriages themselves, many times, are in fact very difficult to understand. And I've attended many where I wondered how the bride and the groom were able to rejoice, having to do all the bidding of everyone around them. But in this relationship that we're called to to be the bridegroom of Christ, to be in fact the daughters of Zion, we're called to be in relationship directly with Jesus to be a mirror and a window, to see in his life and his example those things that commit us to a life of faith. I find it very awkward when, in fact, I remind myself of my obligations in this relationship. It would be much easier to avoid certain things like being honest and open, like being able to be comforting when, in fact, I'm tired, All of those things that Jesus called us to do are really challenging. But it's in that relationship with Jesus when I am mindful that the mirror image that I have is not one of Christ, but sometimes one of my own desolation, my own separation. And it's when I really wake up and see the fact that God is calling me to love and in relationship that I begin to understand the nature of what God's call is for us. And even though I have many shortfalling, and I have many times stepped it in the mud deeper than my knee, I do know that God still loves me and calls me into relationship. The marriage of Israel, the marriage of us as the daughters of Zion, is an important part of our life. Not everyone knows, quote, marriage, but we understand this symbol because it moves us to a more profound and a better understanding of what's invisible, and that's the love of God in relationship to one another, that all of us share that vision and share that awareness, that if we are true to our understanding of God's love for us, it is our marriage our relationship to God that calls us to be clear in understanding of God's love.